The Crossum Wrestling Entertainment Podcast presented by Clovercrest Media is what UAW fans have been looking for. Noah Cross and Tyler Bard give their take on every week's episode of Dynamite. If you are a massive AEW fan, then it is time to join us every Sunday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Stay Crossum. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Throwing Jabs Podcast. I'm Jace Garcia, joined by Jared and Joe. Let's get right into it. Recap last week's fights, because we got a lot of fights to talk about today. Big show. Colby Covington stops Tyron Woodley in the fifth round via TKO. Jared, what'd you think of the fight? Well, it didn't go the way I was expecting, huh? Nope. <laughs> um, I mean, Woodley looked all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna start a little controversy here, maybe. Maybe. Are you guys with me that this is one of the weaker and less exciting divisions in the UFC? Getting there. um, Maybe. Yes. Getting there. It's getting there fast. Jared, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So not a huge fan of Covington. Um, Woodley seems aged and could still keep up. Usman's obviously the best guy there. Uh, fighting Burns. I'm like not interested in any of these guys. <laughs> no, I, I would argue Bellator might have a better welterweight Ooh. division than the UFC right now with that guys like Roy, statement. Douglas Lima. I, I I might argue that, but yeah, the, the, the welterweights are weak right now. And this shows it uh, like it's great. We're, we're going to get probably Covington versus Usman too. I don't know if I'm all that down for it, but this is a pretty decisive win by Covington. I don't know. Yeah. After all the racist comments that came out of Covington's mouth, I don't know. I feel like there there could yeah. be – it could suddenly become a little more of a grudge match. You've seen quite a few other UFC fighters who were black uh, speak out about that kind of nonsense. Dana's like, I let these guys say what they want. It's America. What's the worst that could happen? They're going to burn cities down? Um, and look, I respect Dana White. Look, let the guy speak. But I think at some point when people start, uh, you know, uttering racist dog whistles to the audience, maybe, maybe have a conversation with that guy and explain what your company is all about. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. They did. And, you know, to be fair, they did that on the other side in the NFL. If you think about yeah. it, when the kneeling started, that's where they started. Hey, I understand your right to protest, and I understand you want to do your own thing, but you also work for an organization. And if and if my and if at my job as CSC Services, they asked me to do something, and I took a knee, I think you know I might <laughs> I might get in trouble at my work. So so um, and now that it's acceptable, is it even protesting? But uh, but yeah, if the NFL can step in and say stop doing that because it doesn't make sense here, then for sure the UFC can say something to Colby Covington. If boxing can stop Pauli Malignaggi without a national commission, <laughs> surely the UFC can do something about Covington. No, I totally agree. Yeah, but but with Covington, it's so hard to take seriously because he is doing this whole like WWE heel type shtick where everything he says is outrageous and outlandish. He got a phone call from Donald Trump right after winning this fight. He He's a wild character. Um, and 
there was a while there I was against him, like just because I saw what he was doing, doing this heel type shit. But as a WWE fan, him doing that and now him backing it up, talking smack and kicking asses to boot. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm really liking Kobe. Does he deserve the next title shot? Uh, you just said this was a weak division. So is he next in line? Then, then probably. But I mean, I like Nate Diaz and I like Jorge Masvidal. I don't like Conor McGregor and I don't like Colby Covington. And they did there because they're just not real to me. I don't know Colby Covington. I know Justin Gagey. Not personally, but as a fan, I feel like that's who he is. Hey, we're just going to stand there and punch each other till somebody falls over. Cowboy Cerrone, that's who he is. He's not being somebody different. Nate Diaz, Jorge Masvidal, I bring those up because those are the BMFs, right? Yeah. Those, are, those are those. And that, that's real. I feel like if you sat down and, and had some tea with Nate Diaz and said the wrong thing, he would throw a water bottle at you. And call you names and stuff like that's who he is. This is I would love. I would love to have a cup of Earl Grey black tea with Nate <laughs> Diaz while we discuss our feelings. Yeah, yeah. Sign me up yes. if Dana White's giving I'll that away. Tweed, I want to sign up I will to win wear it. the tweet for you guys <laughs> and lay you down, and we could all have a chat. That would be awesome. I'm so down. <laughs> You need to get Nate Diaz super high for him to do that. <laughs> oh, I'm sure, hey, we can, I'm sure we could swing that. Before we move on, can we touch on this Jessica Rose Clark, Sarah Alpar? Disaster, yes. in my opinion. Joe, did you see the fight? I did see the fight, and I read your excellent article, and yeah, nailed it. Thank yeah. you. Appreciate that. She uh, and it's and it's I mean, it's like I said there, somebody had to save her. I can't stand when we look to the best thing for Sarah Alpar to do for Sarah Alpar right there was to say, I've had enough. I'm not going to beat this girl tonight and wave it off. And your average person does. You break my nose. The fight's over. Maybe not 20 years ago. Bring it on. But not today. If you break a bone in my body, I'm tapping and the fight's over. These, but as a fighter, when this is what you do for work, you're conditioned to never, ever do that. And so the responsibility for your survival and your health falls into the hands of the people closest to you. And Sarah Alpar, the people closest to you literally left you for dead. Three weeks from your wedding, they left you out there disgusting look at the picture zoom in on the picture yeah. i put in with the article it was disgusting Yikes. that they let that go another minute and a half. they didn't they didn't we knew who won she won where else do you see a fight like that and see this is where it gets me because i talk about the rules and animalistic instinct and how people kind of want to fight and they want to watch fighting and if you pull up to a four-way intersection and there's a football game and a basketball game and a tennis match and a fight everybody's watching the fight so it doesn't make sense to me that we have rules because this is savage. And then we have a fight like that and everybody just turns savage. All of a sudden it's okay to beat another person like that. But we'd have pulled, we'd have pulled Clark off of Alper in the schoolyard. We'd have stopped that fight anywhere else. And when they said, I think Dana White's coming down out of his press box, I was like, Sure enough, 
somebody with some sense that's going to get it there and stop this because there wasn't there wasn't chance of her winning it was it was just disgusting it was just i just wanted to touch on that at the undercard this had a pretty good undercard and that was a great fight and don't think i'm not a fight fan i wasn't sitting there i'll oh, break her face like there was pieces of me <laughs> that loved i mean jessica rose clark is something else she looked great in that fight but we've got to do that part for them trainers referees when I was a young 20-something Spitfire, you're going to have to pull me off of that other guy that's, you know, you have Jared, to pull him off me. Save me from myself. This is kind of a far stretch, but, you know, Jared and I are on a wiffle ball team. We're in the postseason starting tomorrow, and I like to pitch. Jared pitches. The biggest problem we run into, Jared, is when we're getting lit up to, to come get the ball out of that guy's hand. You want the ball. I want the ball. Exactly. And we run into trouble with that all the time. When is it time? When what, what? One more hit? All right, two more hits. One more run in, and you're, and and you just, yeah. I mean, again, you need people around you who are going to help you make the best decisions. You know, I think back to the Dante Wilder fight. You know, I remember how pissed he was after the fight. Mm, it was the right thing. You were you were getting clobbered. Yeah, yeah. they did you a favor. We'll come oh, back I next cried. time and we'll try it again. I cried with Diego Corrales. Now, he went into that Floyd Mayweather Jr. fight knowing I have to knock this guy out if I'm going to win. It's the only chance I have because he's going to outbox me and outpoint me all night. He knocked him down five times. Yeah, You got knocked down yeah. five times, six times. And your dad threw the towel. Your dad's your corner man, your father. What had to be the guy to save you from yourself. And I cried for both of them and decided... When I'm grown and I have kids of my own, I will never be their trainer. I will never try to draw that line for them because I'm going to try to condition them to win at all cost, to die in the ring if necessary, like every fighter is conditioned to do. Mentally, they're conditioned for that, most of them. And when we see them walk away, we call them bums. When they call it on their own, when they quit on the stool, we're the ones that come out and say shady things about them. So why not put the responsibility in the people that are sitting right there with them that are that are supposed to be protecting them from themselves? That's your main priority. That's your main responsibility. Protect that fighter from themselves. Yeah, it, it sucks because this is it feels like every couple of months another story like this gets brought up where someone's corner didn't stop it right. And like with a sport that there are such dire consequences you need those people Absolutely. to help, help you but uh let's move on let's look forward to what is happening tonight starting off live on espn plus we have josh taylor defending his ibf and wba junior welterweight championship against uh i i don't know how to pronounce opinion Kate Kong song, uh, Josh Taylor is going to roll this guy. What do you think of Jared? Um, well, this is number one versus number 94. So I'm not going to entertain yeah. this as if we're going <laughs> to see a really good fight. What I will tell you is there was a producer. I'm hoping you guys know me well enough to follow along. Okay. There, all right. There was a producer that wanted the giant gorilla to sing from the top of the empire state building. But the director said, let's put, 
A pin and Kong song. <laughs> yeah, oh a pin and Kong. Goodness. Thank you. Jeez. Thank you. Thank you. A I pin and it. Kong song gets knocked out early here. <laughs> Number one versus 94. Uh, let me tell you something. I watched Kong Song's last fight, and, dude, he's got a right uppercut. He hit this guy and dropped this guy like a board. I mean, devastating. But I will say this. Uh, Kong Song is a really uh, a very stand-up fighter, doesn't have a lot of movement, doesn't have a lot of head movement. And I think when you walk, when you watch Josh Taylor, the pride of Scotland, uh, great lefty. You know, Jared, one of the things, when, when I trained with you, we talked about cutting off the ring. I think this guy does it right now better than just about anybody in all of boxing. He reminds me, just watching the fluidity, the way he can just, he just, he reminds me of Roy Jones Jr. Very smooth in that ring. Yeah, think about it. I think huh. this guy's on par with Bud Crawford. I think eventually he's got to move up because, you know, Ooh. again, watching watching these two guys go at it would be, I think, one of the best things for boxing right now. But, yeah, uh, Taylor's Taylor's going to destroy him. Kong yeah. Song, if Kong Song can land a punch and get lucky, I think that's the only prayer he's got. It's funny you mentioned Crawford because I was just about to mention Crawford, and I'm mentioning Crawford because he beat Victor Postal. Now, why is that relevant? Both of these fighters have fought guys in their last five fights that have 95 fights. Okay, so if you add up the last five opponents for a pin and Kong song and Josh Taylor, they each have opponents who fought 95 fights. Josh Taylor's opponents are 94 and one. That one loss is Victor Postal, who he beat, losing to Crawford. Um, our boy here, a pin and Kong songs opponents, 57, 32 and six. This is not a close fight. I don't see him landing some. This is one of those eat my shoe fights. <laughs> Give me some salt. I'll eat my shoe. If Kong Song gets the W, it's it's not going to happen. This is because if you look at Taylor's last three or four fights, so exactly 94 and one, he's finally fighting a guy that's a little bit of a, you know, he's taking a bit of a break. And can we can we be okay with that? Are you okay with fighting the number 94 guy when you're number one? Or should every fight be the UFC doesn't let him get away with that? UFC's champions can't, can't take breaks. But but yeah, I don't you, even get this. Uh, how did this matchup even come to be? I guess is the bigger question. Well, they're both sixteen and zero. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, and Kong okay. got thirteen knockouts to his twelve. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> by the jerker by the numbers. <laughs> I will send you guys the fight I watched of Kong Song, and I mean the guy he was fighting. I I I think I could have gone ten with the dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. The level of opposition here isn't even close. Right. And your average fan sees 16 and 0, 13 knockouts, 16 and 0, 12 knockouts and goes, ooh, this guy can bang. And it's not it's not close. It's not that he's, you know, not a good fighter. It's not that he's not gamey. It's that he's currently the number 94 ranked box rec fighter. Yeah. You don't fight the number one guy who's coming off wins over two, three and four. Yeah, you're right. Now let's talk more boxing, but might be a little closer than people expect. Live on Showtime, Jermel Charlo battles Jason Ro Rosario in a WBC-WBA 
and IBF junior melt junior middleweight unification bout in the co-main event while his brother Jamal Charlo puts his WBC middleweight championship on the line against Sergey Derevianchenko who famously on this podcast stole Canelo's middleweight belt only to lose it to Triple G. Mm-hmm. Now I, I think that's going to be a tough fight for uh, Charlo. Uh, not really taking on that much stiff competition. This is definitely going to be his toughest fight. And, but I do think the Charlo is. I do think Charlo is going to come out ahead. What do you think, Jared? Um, I think this is going to be tough. You know, ah, <sighs> the more I look at this, like I. I'm not sure they can both win. I mean, they can. But if they both lose, I'm not going to be shocked is basically what I'm driving at here. Um, Rosario can fight. We're not. We're probably not as uh, as uh, knowledgeable about Rosario as we are to Revinchenko, but both of these guys can bang. This is as stiff a competition. I mean, the Charlo brothers have faced some stiff competition, but these guys are in their top two or three toughest fights of their career. So I definitely with you, Jared, I think only one Charlo brother leaves with a victory. I think it's probably going to be Jermel if, if I'm pushed on it. Um, I think he can beat Rosario. I think the Charlo uh, Devyorchenko fight could, could be a, a, a surprising fight. Uh, Sergey's a very quiet, skilled fighter. He grinds out guys. Um, I give Charlo a lot of credit for taking this fight. It was a tough one. Jacobs and Triple G both tried to use Sergey as an easy win, and both got the business. Both got lucky with shitty decisions, I thought. But I, th- I think uh, I think Jermall's got a, a much bigger task ahead of him, and I have a feeling he might be the one that loses uh, on the short end. Yeah, if there is going to be one to lose, it's going to be Jamal against Ravinchenko. Uh, I do think while Rosario is good, I do think Jamal can handle him. But this is a stacked card. Uh, I'm just going to mention these other title fights that are on here. Uh, Brandon Figueroa, uh, Damian uh, Vasquez, uh, John Rail Casamaro, against Duke Mika, uh, Mario Barrios, and Ryan Carl, and Luis Neri, and uh, Aaron Almada, uh, Almendia. So big, big night of title fights on Showtime pay-per-view. But now let's head over to the Octagon, where live on pay-per-view, UFC 253, Polo Costa, against Israel Adesanya. What do you think, Jared? Oh, I'm like I'm so psyched about this fight, Jace, man. I uh, man, I'm a huge Adesanya fan. That's who I that's who I want to win. <clears throat> but Costa, you know what this reminds me of in boxing? We just had uh uh Jose Ramirez fight. Who ah, oh, who's the taller rangy guy he just beat in his fight before last? Uh, Maurice oh. Hooker. 
Hey, thank you, Maurice Hooker. That's what this reminds me of, a guy whose skill level I just like so much. His uh, skill set, Adesanya, is just something fierce. and uh, But Costa is strong, dude. The other one is uh, with his knee kicked out, Anderson Silva versus Weidman, where you just had this strong, strong, like this guy's a monster versus this pinpoint artist strategist. And I'm, and I'm more times than not, as a boxing fan, as a trainer, I'm going to go with the strategist over the brute strength guy. Give me out of Sonya. I think Costa's an interesting guy. He does he has a Brazilian jiu-jitsu background and yet made a decision some time ago to be a straight stand-up fighter. Even when Costa, not that he's been getting in trouble much, but even when he does, he doesn't take the match to the ground. And I think that's a big mistake. And I think that could prove costly against someone like Israel Adesanya. I think that you're going to see a great three, maybe four rounds. I think Adesanya is going to wear him down. I think there'll be a stoppage by the third or fourth round because Adesanya's just beating the crap out of him. If Costa's going to win this, it's going to have to be early. But I just don't. I don't see it happening like that. So be a great fight. I'm excited for it. But I, I think Adesanya. I think he's he's going to feel confident uh, and and be in great shape for a, a win tonight. Yeah, I like the style bender too. I love how this played out because. Th- at, when they entered the UFC all undefeated, they started making their runs. Everyone was talking about Costa versus Adesanya. But now Adesanya is taking control of the middleweight division. Now instead of the two hungry wolves uh, eating each other before before they grow up, now they're there at the top of the middleweight division fighting for the belt, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to go Paulo Costa here. Uh, I think Paulo Costa is going to get the win. In, uh, while Jared, Adesanya, someone's got to be wrong. Yeah, while I mean, Adesanya has the right. technical <laughs> – I, I don't like his fight with Anderson Silva. That felt more like not a real fight. It felt like a Bruce Lee, Chuck Norris. Like That didn't feel like a real fight. Yeah, that felt like I was watching it in a movie. I but, thought Adesanya was just trying to be respectful, to be honest. Yes, that, that's, yes, that was what I thought. He was like, "I'm just gonna beat him, but I don't want to embarrass him or hurt him." That's what there I were saw. Times I thought that, like Rose Clark at the end of that girl, uh, the females fight, and we were just talking about where she was like, "Do you? Should I? Uh, you've seen people look over at the ref. I can't come up with any over at the top of my head, but you've seen yeah. him look at the ref and shrug. Like, is somebody gonna get in here?" You know, that was the type of fight, like, why did we sign up for this? This is a sparring match. This is an exhibition. This is Roy Jones and Mike Tyson. We need another spot for those. Yeah, but also, (laughs) Adesanya does get hit. If you look at the Gaslam fight, if you look at the Yo Romero fight, he gets hit, and I think... Fair point. Paulo Costa is young enough and uh, where he, he still has that power in him, and I think he will put... Adesanya's lights out. I don't know if it'll be too early. I like that third round. Each will fill each other out, and then I like Costa to end it. Let me just point something out for anybody who might be watching this and thinking, I want to listen to these guys before I lay down a bet. Jace also picked the Giants to beat the 49ers (laughs) this weekend. So 
I'm just putting it out there. You you like let that resonate. Oh, you decide bad. who you want to listen to. Okay. There you go. But, I love I this mean, guy. I love I this guy, it. but but uh, I mean, can we talk about this though just for a second? Because we're getting to a point now where if we don't get another spot for the sideshows, we're gonna need another spot for the real fighters. Now we've got McGregor and Pacquiao talking about fighting each other. And people will get psyched about this and people will pay for him. People will watch it. And it will be Pacquiao just making a mess of a guy who doesn't understand boxing to the same level he does for however many rounds he decides it to go down. You know, Floyd Mayweather picked the round and the punch he would stop him with. Watch the end of the McGregor fight and tell me it isn't all straight right hand. Why aren't you throwing hooks and uppercuts? Well, because I had a prop bet, I would knock him out with a straight right hand in the round we're in right now. So they're all straight right hand. Sorry, let me get my money. And that's what Pacquiao will do. He wants to go two rounds, four rounds, six rounds, ten rounds. That's how long it's going to go. He's going to put on a show and he's going to beat a guy that doesn't understand the craft the way he does. It's Tiger Woods playing second base because he can hit a ball with a stick. It's stupid. And if we go too far this direction, we're going to need a spot for the real fighters. Because these aren't the guys, people. <laughs> May- Mayweather and McGregor, that made kind of sense because it was a money fight. Now you're giving a champion. You're giving McGregor a shot at a welterweight champion right now. That doesn't make any sense. You Speaking know, I, champ- I, my, my other thought on McGregor is, I mean, look, you're not like 53 years old and broke. You know what I mean? Yeah. But all these lawsuits, you you still have a legacy and and maybe, well, yeah, you do have to pay all those lawsuits off. Invest in better zippers. (laughs) Listen, this guy still has a legacy, whether he wants to fight in the UFC again or not is fine. He, he seemingly has made enough money that he doesn't need to. So why go on like this tour of getting beat up by boxers, you know, because what? You want to prove to us that you can get beat up? We've seen it. We've seen it plenty of times. You get beat up very well, Conor McGregor, and always a great fight. And I, I love Conor McGregor. I really do. I, I, Whatever his mental problems are, I hope somebody can help him with that. But to see a guy slightly past his prime years, basically going on the path that Conor's going on, it's it's a head-scratcher. And yeah. 10, 20 years from now, I don't want to be like, dude, remember when Connor was 48 and he boxed Bud Crawford and Bud knocked all his teeth out of his face and he had an infection and they eventually had to remove Connor's soul. I, mean, I don't want that to be a thing is what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, I can understand Tyson and Holyfield, you know, a couple like we need the cash. We just don't no, have money. It. It's there's nothing to damage here anyway. But I mean, come on, Connor, you're 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 still like a young man. Have some respect for the sport. Well, exactly. Yeah. That's the thing that kills me is respect the sport. I'm not no and and nowhere else does this happen. I don't know. He might if if I was like, hey, here's what I'm gonna do, you know, I'm a teacher. I'm a boxing trainer. I have my certificate right here. You know, so I'm a teacher. So I'm going to go to Connecticut School of Broadcasting and I'm going to out radio teach Joe. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to out because I'm a teacher. You never know. 
I might land a good class. Could get real lucky that day. <laughs> They're vibing with you. Well, I get that. Hey, I like this here. guy. Why? <laughs> why do? Why would you think not any better than you're going to come into my gym and train my guys better than I am because you have a good day? It doesn't make sense. And people think that with fighting, for some reason, the right guy can step into the right. I don't know, man. If I was in there, I think I just hit we guys with the old one-two. I land something. You never know what might happen. You know, you meet that guy drunk at the party and think that he stands alone. And it's like a huge demographic of our population that believes this is a joke. And they could out-carpenter carpenters. So when I was uh, I was co-hosting the Rob Dibble show during the Ronda Rousey like her her best her best years or year or whatever you want to One call of the it. The most dominant fighters of our generation. And Rob Dibble, who's 6'4, 270, and a little delusional, actually said, <laughs> I love Rhonda. I could definitely beat her. I said, Rob, you're 51. <laughs> you're 20 pounds overweight. Rhonda Rousey would break your arm off. What are you talking about? And he was like, she's a girl. And I said, you're an idiot. What are you talking oh about? She would destroy you. For the sake so of those fighters, I am not going to mention their names. But there's a girl named Katie Taylor that trains in Connecticut. She's a gold medal winner. She was the, uh, the athlete of the century. Ireland gave her the athlete of the century. So this is like one of this is, might be the greatest female fighter in the world right now. But she trains right over in Manchester. She trains in Hartford. Like I've seen her box professional fighters in her weight class. And let me tell you, I've seen her box bigger people. Yeah, dude, that size and your penis aren't going to make any difference when you end up in the ring with that girl. We all three get in there. We'd be like, spread out, spread yeah. out. Don't panic, yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah. It's showtime. I'm telling you, it's game over. That Yeah, Rousey will wrap you up. Dibble? <laughs> that's hilarious that's really funny that's wild alright we're going to end the show like we always do and Jared hit me with that flurry so I listened back to the last couple flurries and I keep alluding to this magic in boxing this um this rewiring of instincts and realized that I'd never really explained that the way I would like to. So this is um, my best attempt at explaining a theory I call Cuddle the Bear. Um, Cuddle the Bear is based on Abraham, Abraham Maslow's 1943 paper, a, human, a Theory of Human Motivation. He wrote a paper called A Theory of Human Motivation, and in it he had his hierarchy of needs, if you've heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So this is some of what I'm basing um, this theory on. So if you think of being with a bear in the woods, uh, Joe, Jace, you're, you're, you're in the woods with a bear, and you're chasing the bear. Can you think of any reason why? Yes. Well, I've played this game with you. Yeah. So uh, maybe we're by the river and I see one trout and he's jumping all up into the water. I haven't eaten in a few days. That bear wants that food. I want that fish. I'm, I'm running towards the bear to get it. Yes. So the concept is very, very well said. The concept is that these lower levels, if you look at the graph on the screen, need to be satisfied 
before you start working on the higher levels. So you're talking about a time when you're willing to sacrifice your safety and security for food or warmth. Right? You might want to yeah. inhabit the bear if you're cold enough. You will sacrifice your safety and security to, to satisfy that lower level. And as they go up, you need those bottom levels satisfied in order to care enough about those higher levels. And now this little pyramid here, this little triangle could explain a lot of the struggles we go through in our society. <clears throat> but, um, but I'm going to key on this one. So... So you have a trauma in your life. You run into that bear in the woods. What happens to your body? The hair on the back of your neck stands up. Your heart starts racing real fast. You turn red. Your blood starts flowing. You're ready to run for your life or fight for your life. It's fight or flight. You're having an instinctual reaction to fear. Right? Based in, your, based in the back of your brain and your spine, your instincts, that thing that reminds you to breathe, that thing that will turn your family pet into a meal under the right circumstances, it's what's driving all of that stuff that's happening to your body. It's a fear-related, natural, and instinctual response. Now, what happens when you're a little kid? And you live with the bear. You get conditioned to that trauma. You get conditioned to listen to your instincts to stay alive. Now, we've done a lot of studies on drugs. One of them I love is with uh, rats, where they give them food, water, and cocaine. And every 10 or 15 minutes or so, they're allowed to tap one of the levers. They tap one of the levers, the thing comes out, food, water, or cocaine, and all of the rats die using the cocaine over food and water. If you bring that chart back up and think about what I just said, they're putting drugs over food, water, warmth, and rest. Our addiction, our need to, to, to feed that best friend of ours that keeps us safe. Our instinct kept us safe as children. All of those times, this is our best friend. And we choose it over food and water, warmth and rest. So, cuddle the bear is because... You may get hungry enough to try to eat the bear. You may get cold enough to try to inhabit the bear. But you look at that third step, intimate relationships and friends, you will never get lonely enough to try to cuddle the bear. You're never going to be lonely enough to try to cuddle the bear. I'm going to read an excerpt from the letter that got me the exemption from USA Boxing. We often experience trauma or fear that causes instinctual reactions and those reactions keep us safe. These decisions are about instinct over reason. Your brain prioritize, prioritizes for you at some point. We learn to re react instinctually because it keeps us safe during the trauma we fear, we, during the trauma and fear we experience. The negative consequences that a company relying on that instinct are just an unfortunate side effect. Do you follow? Yeah. 
So when your mom finds out you took money out of her purse, when your girlfriend finds out you cheated on her, another big one, satisfying a need. And I don't want to sound like that guy, but it's, it's the big human part of your brain overriding the animalistic instinct. You know, and people go, oh, well, you're married. You shouldn't have done that. Well, you ate your pet. You shouldn't have done that. Well, I was hungry. And I was willing to sacrifice the intimate relationship for the food because of the traumatic situation I was in. You know, over 98% of people stuck in that situation turned to cannibalism to stay alive. We would all do it. But when you ask another person, would you eat another person? They say no. 98% of them are lying. We only have one. Maria was her name. One result. Uh, the, the rugby team there in the, in the mountains. Alive was the name of the movie. There was one that decided she was out of 27. Not going to eat another person to stay alive. When you're faced with that trauma and you need to rely on that instinct. <clears throat> Fight, so, so go back to that. We're instinct now. Now, I always, until March 13th of 2018, I always thought I was going to be a, a psychologist, an individual psychologist. I have a plan to figure out the things that happened to me and take my trauma and turn it into a positive. I'm going to build a path and a key and, and, and turn it into a pamphlet that I can walk up to little 7, 8, 9, 12-year-old me and say, here... You can save yourself a lot of struggles if you read this. And it just never came about because what I came to find out was if I could go back and tell myself, my younger self, anything, I wouldn't waste my time because my younger self wouldn't have listened to me. And, and that's where Scrub Scraps comes in. That's where Boxing Wokes. I, I woke up March 13th and I realized fight or flight. I can't get there. Bring that chart back up. I can't get there as a psychologist. Look at this chart and think of me as a regular everyday psychologist. I can't touch food, water, warmth, and rest. I can't touch safety and security. And my number one goal, my first step is to build an intimate relationship, is to build some trust with them. And I'm assuming if I've got a patient that trusts me and we've built an intimate relationship, I'm assuming that when they go home, they have safety, security, food, water, warmth, and rest, and the ability to build an intimate relationship and trust someone. And I'm telling you that most of these kids that land in therapy, not by choice, don't have that ability. Based on what we're looking right here, you wanna build an intimate relationship with somebody who doesn't have enough food, water, warmth, rest, safety, and security, it's not gonna happen. Can I go up from there? If I do have someone that can establish the third step, can I go up to the fourth prestige? I'm gonna make them a level two therapy patient and they can go share that feeling of accomplishment with their friends when they graduate therapy? And then self-actualization, I can't touch any of these steps except for the third one. Now enter me as a boxing trainer, safety and security. I'm threatening your safety and security with the pads. I'm bringing you to that place of fear where you have to choose fight or flight. 
You have to pick fight or flight. You're going to swing at the glove or you're going to try to duck away from it. And I want you to go toward the glove. I want you to go down and toward the mitt. And that's against everything your instincts tell you to do. Those instincts, those best friends you had that kept you alive all this time and keep you using drugs and keep you depressed and keep you in bed and keep you cutting yourself. Those same things that you learned because it was necessary for your survival. And now you have to tear it down because you're an adult and the bear is gone. And I threatened that and build an intimate relationship, teach you how to feel powerful, and then raise you up to that fourth step where you're able to fight somebody else and win or lose. You feel prestige and a sense of accomplishment. And there's nothing they want more than they when they've worked through the Scrub Scraps program than to throw the mitts on and teach somebody else what they've learned and make their place in the world on that fifth step with self-actualization. I woke up on March 13th, 2018, and I realized I don't wanna be a therapist anymore because I can't touch the people I can with boxing training. And better yet, that trauma-based individual that I'm talking about that's learned to rely so much on their instinct, when have you ever heard of that kid volunteering for therapy? They crawl out of the woodwork for scrub scraps. 85% of what I get is that kid. So they volunteer because it's appealing to them. They rely on the instinct that brought them there. And that instinct doesn't work, whether it's fight or flight. None of the things your brain tells you to do instinctually work in boxing. So we start breaking down that instinct. The instinct doesn't work. They in learn that the instinct doesn't keep them safe. They're having the instinct, ne negative consequence. Not when mom checks her purse. Not when wife sees the glitter on your face. But immediately you're getting, oh, I must have made a mistake. Yes, well, you were relying on your instincts because they kept you safe and kept you alive to this point. And in this specific situation, your instincts are wrong and you get it immediately and immediately and immediately and immediately and it rewires the brain to not rely on that instinct. You placate that instinct, you build the path between the big human part of your brain that doesn't eat people and kill pets and, and murder and, and placate that back part and, and uh, like calm that savage one step at a time until they're doing something that makes sense and gives them positive results. I present them that new strategy right away. All you got to do is duck and go toward the glove. Duck and go toward the glove. And they learn to make that path longer. They change instinctual reactions with negative consequences into reasonable responsive responses with positive and rewarding results. <clears throat> the end of my letter. There are two of these. I'm going to do the next one next week because I've rambled a little bit, but this is the end of the first exemption request. The next time they think to use drugs, cut themselves, starve themselves, stay in bed, or any other knee-jerk reaction to a difficulty, simply because it's what had kept them safe or made them feel better in the past. Maybe they do it, maybe they don't, but they will have a path between react and respond to work with that didn't exist before. 
a new path by which positive outcomes can be reached, and this path will become more trodden over time. That boxing training with the pad, with the pads, trodens this path, develops this path better than anything else on the planet. And in closing, for 15 years, I've been humanizing some of the most animalistic individuals among us. I believe I've had a hand in changing crime, jail terms, and suicides into humanitarian work, college semesters, and job interviews. But there's no way to quantify the positive effect of my work. Even more importantly, however, the negative effect of the lapse of my program can't be quantified either. All right. Thank you, Jared. Thank you, guys. That's some deep stuff. All right. Thank you guys for listening and watching to Throwing Jazz. Make sure you guys check out the fights tonight. And uh, we hope to see you next time. So take care.